In our last episode, we covered how September 1845 saw a spike in anti-Mormon violence, how mobs and militias began burning the homes and farms of Mormon families. One of the main forces behind this effort was Frank Worrell, a young man and officer in the Carthage Grays militia. Worrell decided not only to burn the Mormons out, but to get rid of anyone who was sympathetic to their plight. And so it was that he rode out on the morning of September 16, 1845, determined to chase down Jacob Backenstos, the sheriff of Hancock County, and shoot him dead. But as he galloped after the sheriff, little did he know that he had set out on a collision course with Porter Rockwell, the Mormon gunslinger. On today's episode, we'll finish the story of the man who shot Frank Worrell. I'm Nate Olson, and this is Adventures in Mormon History. Following the acquittals of the Carthage killers, Williams, Worrell, and others did not just target Mormons, but anyone they thought was too friendly with the Mormons. Whether you were a private citizen like William Draper's neighbor, George Walker, or a public official like Sheriff Minor Deming, you risked your life taking the side of the Mormons. Minor Deming had been elected sheriff of Hancock County. Not a Mormon himself, he'd won the election in the fall of 1844 with the support of the Mormon people but he became the subject of threats and pressure from the anti-Mormons to join with them in driving the Mormons from the state. In a letter to his brother, Sheriff Deming described the type of pressure that was put upon him. Would I be the instrument of their designs for agitation, violence, and crime, I could escape their wrath. But he would not do it. Matters between Sheriff Deming and the anti-Mormons came to a head on June 24, 1845. As the sheriff walked into the courthouse, he was suddenly surrounded by a group of men armed with pistols and knives. Samuel Marshall, a local who was famous for his violent temper, began arguing with Deming about a land sale. Suddenly, Marshall grabbed Sheriff Deming by the collar and throat. The sheriff said, He assailed me in a fit of passion from whom I retreated while he was beating me and attempting to throttle me. The sheriff finally drew his gun and fired a shot at Marshall's stomach, killing him. He was charged later with murder. To avoid looking like he was trying to unfairly use his public office to prejudice his trial, Deming resigned as sheriff the next month. He was convinced that the whole thing had been orchestrated as a pretense to attack him, not for any land sale, but for his Mormon sympathies. But Deming would never stand trial, as he died of a fever that September. In his stead, and again with Mormon support, the winner of the election was Jacob Bakenstos. Bakenstos was not a Mormon, but he was friendly to the Mormon people, and by marriage related to the family of Emma Smith. And he was determined to oppose the mob attacks. On September 16th, he became anxious enough for his family's safety that he relocated them to Nauvoo. But as he drove along the road, the sheriff noticed he was being trailed by armed men. He spent that night with a friend in Warsaw, 
and got up early the next day and drove north out of town in a buggy. But after driving several miles, he saw a crowd from 10 to 20 riders, including Frank Worrell, galloping after him. The sheriff whipped his horses and began flying down the road. After a chase of two miles, Worrell and three other riders left the main road, separating themselves from the main body. Trying to intercept the sheriff, Worrell and his companions galloped furiously along a path, bringing them to the railroad shanties. They came right behind the sheriff, closing to within 150 yards. Riding for his life, Sheriff Backenstos came up the hill and down toward the railroad shanties. And as luck would have it, there he found a small group of Mormon refugees who had been burned out of their homes and were then en route to the comparative safety of Nauvoo. They had a small escort of armed guards with them, led by Oren Porter Rockwell. Backenstos cried out for help, and Porter Rockwell immediately stepped forward. Taking in the situation, he told the sheriff not to worry. He and his men had 50 rounds of ammunition and two rifles between them. The sheriff deputized Porter on the spot. As Worrell and his companions charged, Backenstos yelled at them to stop. They ignored him and charged forward. Backenstos then gave the order to fire. Porter Rockwell drew a bead directly on Worrell, squeezed the trigger, and fired. <laughs> Worrell fell from his horse, shot squarely through the chest. His friends reined in, picked up the fallen Worrell, and rode hard for Warsaw. Worrell was dead within minutes. Both Sheriff Backenstos and Porter Rockwell would be charged with murder. Newspapers, such as the Baltimore Daily Commercial, breathlessly reported that when Porter Rockwell was arrested, the, quote, Mormon assassin was armed with shooting irons enough to fire 71 shots, besides knives, etc. Both men got a change of venue away from the chaos of Hancock County. Sheriff Backenstos, on trial in Knox County in December of 1845, called non-Mormon witnesses who testified that Frank Worrell had indeed been chasing the sheriff so that he could kill him before the sheriff could reach Nauvoo. He was found not guilty. Porter Rockwell was put on trial in Galena to the south. Sheriff Backenstos came and testified that as Worrell was charging them, he had deputized Porter Rockwell, called for Worrell to stop, and then ordered Porter to shoot only after Worrell refused. Porter Rockwell was also found not guilty. The anti-Mormons mourned for the fallen Worrell. They buried him under the epitaph, He who is without enemies is unworthy of friends. But more rational people did not see any particular tragedy in the untimely death of Frank Worrell. One newspaper, the Portage Sentinel of Ohio, reported, quote, We have observed the progress of this affair and have arrived at the conclusion that the Mormons are more sinned against than sinning. If some of their number have committed petty larceny, their opponents have committed arson by wholesale and provoked the taking of human life after previously committing the most cold-blooded murders. So perhaps a better epitaph for Worrell, a better takeaway for the reasons underlying his untimely death could have been perhaps summed up this way. He that loses his life while trying to chase down and murder a public servant gets what he deserves. What goes around, 
comes around. Thank you for joining us on this, our episode of Adventures in Mormon History. I'm your host, Nate Olson.